us just a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee tonight for the Lord Jesus and what He means to us. Our salvation, our joy, our coming King, our Healer, all in all He is to us. And we're so happy that we've been aliens from God at one time, sinners without hope in the world. Christ took our place as a sinner at the cross and died for us that we might be through the reconciliation of his own life brought back to God. We're so thankful for that. I pray that you'll meet with us in a special way tonight, Lord, and continue to be in this meeting as our brethren come to continue it. We pray that you'll just bless abundantly, Lord, throughout the entire campaign. Forgive all of our sins and help us to be your servants. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. May be seated. So happy to be here tonight in the service of the Lord. Excuse me. And to be sorry that it's the last part of the service. That for my part, following me is Brother Tommy Osborne and Brother Tommy Hicks and Brother Wilbur Ogilvy. And I know these men, and they're a wonderful man. And I think Brother Osborne is to follow me tomorrow. And what a privilege it is. I wish I could only stay in here, Brother Osborne. You're in for a great treat, Brother Osborne. A wonderful man of God. With faith and... How many ever know F.S. Bosworth? Let's see your hand. I'm so glad. I want to tell you that Brother Bosworth is doing real well. I was in Indianapolis a few weeks ago having a campaign. They uh, called me and said he's under the oxygen tent. And Miss Bosworth said, Brother Brown, stay close. He wants you to preach his funeral as soon as he passes away. About nearly 80, 87 years old, something like that. And said he wants you to, he's always wanted you to preach his funeral. And I said, Sister Bosworth, you don't mean my brother is going. He said, yes, and he's just going at any minute. We got right down the floor and prayed for him with all of our hearts. And the next evening he called me up and said, You know, Brother Brown, I believe I'll come up to Indianapolis and help you in this meeting. <laughs> so, uh, and Brother Osborne has been with Brother Bosworth. And Brother Osborne is a young Brother Bosworth with all the knowledge that Brother Bosworth had of the word plus. And so I'm sure you're in for a great treat with a real Christian when you hear Brother T.L. Osborne. And now, Brother Tommy Hicks is following Dan, and I'm sure you're all acquainted with Tommy Hicks. Tommy Hicks wasn't known until just a few years ago. I didn't even know him myself. And I, I wouldn't say, but I believe he's at one of the meetings or something and got really just fed up on God. And that little fella took off to, down in Argentina somewhere without hardly a dime in his pocket. And God met with him there and gave him one of the greatest revivals, I guess, has been held in the last days, down there among the people in, in South America. And how he's loved down there. And a great meeting. You've seen it in the magazines that packed the article. Forceful speaker, a real man of God. I've worked with Brother Tommy Hicks for a long time and, and a real true Christian. A real man. You'll enjoy hearing every minute of him as he's speaking to you and praying for your sake. And also, Brother Wilbur Ogilvy is going to be along. I don't know Brother Ogilvy as well as I know Brother Hicks, and but I've, he's been on the field, I guess, longer than Brother Hicks. But I have met Brother Ogilvy a few times, and a real Christian gentleman. 
I've never heard him preach, but they tell me he's a forceful speaker. It has to be to hold the meetings that he does and have the favor with God that he does. So you see, you're in for a great meeting the rest of this week. Be sure to attend and hear these real Christians preach and pray. They'll be in about tomorrow, and they'll be speaking. meeting tonight, both of them. <laughs> Brother Joseph, come tell me there's some more in the meeting. <laughs> well, brethren, I... <laughs> well, I'll set it to your face. <laughs> I'll say it to you back. I don't know where you are, but anyhow, the Lord bless you. Maybe I wouldn't have bragged that hard of you if I knew you'd be here. <laughs> but uh, they're a real man of God anyhow, and I love them. hope you get to shake their hand before we... Now, what do you know to that? That's the way it goes. But... Well, they'll tell you, I'll quit now on that. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're glad we got a real resurrected Lord, haven't we? Oh, so, so glad of that. Now, this has been one of my outstanding trips to Chicago. And I never thought that I'd ever preach on the hard things that it is. And I thought, now, on the correction of the church and bringing back the morals to the church... But when letters and telephone calls come in, because that's just what we needed, Brother Brandon. Made me feel good. I thought I hurt somebody's feelings. But, you know, I come over two or three times with certain things. Last night I had a subject in my mind. I was going to preach on I said, yeah. Uh, and David, the, in the first psalm, said, Blessed is the man. I was going to preach on the blessed man. And I turned around and painted up, preached on the painted-faced Jezebel. So... I forgot. Right? I went over the other day to preach something over at the church, and when I got to the platform, I thought there's something in the Bible about something, and I had Brother Joseph to read his text and start preaching from there. So it's been a, a real jubilee to me of having this fellowship with you and to see that you're long suffering with me. And I appreciate it because I'm not much of a speaker. You know that by this time. But I want to go on record in heaven. That when I appeared before this generation, I stood for God and right. I want it real clear in heaven. And I'm sure you do too. And now, I've, tonight is, uh, we're going to have healing services. And I think you've got a lot of cards. And many I probably won't be able to get to, all of you. But what I want, while the brethren who follow me, each one with an outstanding ministry, far exceeding mine when it comes to praying for the sick. Absolutely. These men have a greater, a greater success in praying for the sick than I do. Mine is kind of a prophetic type. And these men are really gifts of healing. And I'm so happy to know that they're coming to pray for you sick people and to preach the gospel to you saved and unsaved. Now, pray for me. Where I go, I'm figuring out a worldwide tour, every major city in the world, if I can, and to get native workers to follow up. And now, that's coming this next June. My next close meeting here that I know of, I'm, from here I go to Salmon, Idaho, but uh, the next close meeting will be Lima, Ohio. And that's January the 10th to the 15th with the Baptist people. And then we're going on to the east from there, and then back to the west coast. Oh, I beg your pardon. On January, right there, we're going back to the west coast, and then make ready for overseas. Now pray for me, and if I don't get to see y'all in Chicago until I go overseas or something long, remember when the winds are blowing hard, the devil is tempting every way, which doctors are standing up to make a challenge, can it depend on you be praying for me? Good, good. And some glorious day, if we never meet this 
side of heaven again, I hope that in that great, glorious, jubilee day, when the saints of God crowning the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the angels stand around the earth with bowed heads while we sing the redemption songs, I hope to meet you there, all clothed in his righteousness, and going into the great uh, world that's coming on, where there be no more sickness, no more prayer for the sick, all these things will fade away. Until then, may God keep you healthy and happy and serving him. In the book of St. Matthew, just by the way of speaking for a little while, and I kind of feel drawn on that, actually, I know these other brethren are here, but in the book of St. Matthew, the 12th chapter, and the beginning, I mean the 22nd chapter, beginning with the 12th verse, 12th, 13th, and 14th verses, I wish to read a portion of scripture for a little text or to see if God will give us the context from it. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou hither, having no wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king unto his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping wailing and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And may the Lord add his blessings to his word. Now we have a, a great subject here under consideration, which is a parable that the Lord taught in the Bible. And I never could as a boy preacher, I used to try to wonder what these parables meant. And I never could understand it just right until once I visit the Eastern country. The Bible is the Eastern book. And we trying to understand it by a Western understanding. When you go East, it becomes a different book to you because it's wrote in the light of Eastern knowledge. And the Eastern people receive the Holy Spirit first. And civilization always travels with the sun, and so has the gospel traveled with the sun. The civilization, in my opinion, came by the gospel. You take any country that doesn't respect God, the, oh my, there's not much civilization to it. And so civilization, Christianity, is the grassroots of civilization. And that's a remark that Mr. Nixon said one morning at a breakfast we were at up there at uh, Washington, D.C., for the Christian businessman. And now, as the sun travels west, the gospel has traveled west. Now, the prophet said there will be a day that won't be either day or night, but in the evening it shall be light. Now, on 2,000 years ago, on the eastern people, the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the Eastern people, the Jews and so forth in the East. And then, about the first round of the apostles, it began to fade out. The second round, it was pretty near gone. Went on out into the Dark Ages, come back just a little teeny bit of light in the Reformation, come on down through the Wesley Age, but we're traveled all the way from the East to the entire West Coast. We're as far west as we can go. 
and the gospel has come across with it. But now, it's been a day, said the prophet, that will neither be light or dark, kind of a dismal day, kind of foggy and cloudy. We've had enough light to say, yes, Jesus was the Son of God. Yes, he saves from sin. But all the days of miracles and things, that was way back, back in the east. But the prophet said, it'll be light in the east. And now on the western people, in this western hemisphere here, it's poured out the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The sun has come out to shine again on the, at the setting just as it did at the rising. And the same Holy Ghost that fell on the eastern people 2,000 years ago has been shattered by creeds and denominations coming across a, this day of not dark or light, but in the evening time while she's setting, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is poured out on the western people with the same potion, the same signs, and the same wonders that they did on the eastern people. Just exactly. So when you go to the east, you find out that the parables, especially of the Bible, just wake up to you. They become a, a new reality. They have means. And in the East, they seldom ever change their customs. They are, what they had in the beginning, they still hold on to those customs. And now our text tonight is dealing with a wedding supper. Oh, you should see it. And Jesus taught of it here in many places. He gave these parables. And if you ever visit the Eastern countries, you find out just those parables, they are still living them same customs that they did then. Now, in this place, the wedding supper was made, Matthew 22 gives a very good description of it, that he said that in the book of Matthew, that there was a king who had a son, and he made a supper for his son, and it was a wedding supper. What a beautiful parable, or a prophetic post that the king of heaven was making a supper for his son, Christ Jesus. That was the meaning of the parable. So, uh, God making a supper for his son, Christ Jesus. And if you watch the setting as we try to dig into it and find the settings of the, the way the supper had to be arranged in the Oriental and Eastern types, it's a very beautiful picture of the coming of the Son of God and the wedding supper that we're all going to one of these days who are born again of the Spirit of God. Beautiful. Now, he said the first thing, if the supper was set, no persons are allowed to come to this supper unless they are invited. You have to be invited first before you go to any uh, dinner of that type. Now, I don't like to call it dinner. I'm just old-fashioned enough to believe it's still supper. We don't take the Lord's dinner, we take the Lord's supper. <laughs> and this year, dinner stuff, it always makes me get hungry. I miss the meal somewhere. So I, I like dinner, breakfast, and supper. And um, so I, I still believe it's the Lord's supper we take. And so anyhow, when you're invited out to supper, uh, you're, uh, you have to be invited before you be welcome to come. And if you would not be invited and you would go anyhow, you'd be a poacher. That wouldn't be right. You'd be disqualified. 
Now, what a beautiful thing it is, is God is setting a day that when he is going to have a great supper set to a celebration for his son, the Lord Jesus, who has pleased him in every way. And God the Father is inviting those who he chooses. Jesus said, no man can come to me except my Father invites him first. Is that right? No man can come to me except he has an invitation from my Father. See, the king has to give the invitation. And you tonight that's had that invitation, how happy you ought to be. I tell you, if President Eisenhower, and I'm not a politician, and I, uh, but I think that Eisenhower's been one of the greatest presidents since Lincoln. I like him. He's a real gentleman. And when a President Eisenhower would invite some people to come to a great dinner that he was going to give or a great supper, what would you, oh, you would swell out. You want everybody to know you would by no means turn that back and write boy wrong address and send it back. Why, you wouldn't do that. You'd be, as the old street expression, if you'll excuse it, crowing about it, showing everybody. See, the president invited me. Well, sure, you ought to be happy about it. How much more should you be crowing about it, as we call it? if God invited you to the wedding supper of his son. How much more have you got to be thankful for? Now, Mr. Eisenhower, a great man as he is, it would be an honor to sit at the table with Eisenhower. But how much greater honor would it be to sit with the Son of God? What an honor that would be. How I would like to tell everybody that I have been invited to Eisenhower's supper why, I'd be happy. But how much more happier am I to know I'm invited to God's Son's Supper? Amen. The wedding supper of His Son. And go to have a part of it, too, when we get there. Go to be included in it. Our name's already on the register. What? Those who He foreknew, He has justified. Those who He has justified, He has already passed since. Glorified. That's what the scripture says. What you scared about then? If your name is written there, seek out your own salvation. But if it's written there, you'll be there, don't worry. <clears throat> be sure it's there. Now, if if Eisenhower would send you the invitation, how happy you would be. And another thing, I wouldn't think that you would try to go as an insult to Mr. Eisenhower's supper by wearing your old greasy clothes. Would you think so? All dirty and old pair of hobnail shoes on, whiskers over your face or something other. You wouldn't go out and say, hey, look here, I want to tell you something. Eisenhower told me I could come and said, oh, that would be disgraceful to Eisenhower. Well, how much more disgraceful is it? You who claim to have an invitation to the wedding supper, walk around with makeup on and act like the world, smoking and drinking and carrying on. Clean up if you're going to the wedding supper. You don't want to do that. Get out of it. See? Act like you're going somewhere. 
Amen. I believe you're, if you really got the invitation and accept it, you will do it. Could you imagine if my heart clean all the dirt out under my fingernails and everything else? Get every little old dirty thing that's hanging on to you. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that's easy to set us that we might run with patience the race that's set before us. Looking to the author and finisher of our faith. Oh my! What an example he gave. What aren't we to do then? We're going somewhere to a wedding supper. And this is God speaking to the heart. You don't realize what that is if you turn down each night in evangelistic service. When God knocks at your heart and said, Child, I'm inviting you to come to me tonight. Come by the way of the cross where my precious son paid the price. Come in at the door. I'm inviting you, and you turn him down. I imagine you wouldn't turn Mr. Eisenhower down but one time. But God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And he said, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Come, now let me talk it over with you. Oh, I just love it. Come and let's sit down now in the church tonight. Forget about all the day's work. And let's reason it together. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Thank it, God wanting to reason out with you your problem. And in so, showing you where you're wrong by the preaching of the word. And then giving you an invitation to come to his house for eternal life. And you turn it down. Could you imagine that? Well, that's what people do. Or could you imagine accepting it and not be elated and happy and full of joy? Say, well, I went up and put my name on the book. I become a charter member of the church. Well, that's what you did. But you never got any, you never accepted the invitation to heaven. You'd be telling everybody about it. Yes, when God really comes down and gives you the invitation and you accept it really from your heart, you're glad to tell everybody about it. I'm going to glory. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God spoke to my heart. Sure, I'm a Christian. You love to do that. See, if you're really enthused about it. And God calling sinners that's alien and enemies. God calling enemies to try to be reconciled with them, not the president now, God of heaven, calling aliens, enemies against him, to reconcile them to himself and give them eternal life and bring them into his home to live forever as children. Why, it's more than a human mind can fathom to think of, of the God of heaven that would do something like that. But he did it, and he taught it here. Now, the invitation was given, and no one can give the invitation except God himself. That's right. God has to give uh, the invitation. All right. Now, when God gave the invitation, he made the supper ready, the king did, and he made all things ready before he sent out his invitation. The bridegroom would always do that. In the oral wedding ceremony, make all things ready. He said in the Bible here, I have killed my fat ones, I have killed my lambs and my 
my ox and so forth, and the table's all spread, everything's ready. He's got everything ready before he gives the invitation. That was the customs in them days. Make everything ready. Now, God has made everything ready. You don't have to wait for a thing that's already fixed. Christ has done, died once, the just for the unjust, that he might make a way of reconciliation by his blood to bring you unto himself, and he's already made, every, heaven's already prepared, in my Father's house as many mentions. I'll go and prepare a place and come again to receive you unto myself. The preparation has been uh, appropriated for your salvation. Christ died once and settled sin question forever. You were saved the very hour that Christ died. Every person that ever lived in the world from that time in was saved at that time. And every healing that was ever performed, the appropriation of the blood was shed at Calvary for every healing that would ever be taken place when Jesus died at Calvary. It settled the question of sin and every attribute of sin. How can man, how can you stand in this pulpit and preach the gospel and deny divine deeds? While the pagan of Africa can produce a better God than what you try to produce. You did deny and call. If you call me that, I'd be ready to have you arrested. <laughs> Making God a little weakling. You know more than he does. God is strong. What it is. When God speaks, everything else jumps in the corner. All your theology and your church entity and all your noho and everything else drops in the corner. When God speaks, his word takes place and it's predominant over every man's word. Let every man's word be a lie and mine be true. The Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That settles it as far as I'm concerned. Here, he's no weakling. He's still almighty God. Everything's provided. We're waiting. Now, Christ came, the law came, Moses came, Elijah came, the prophets came, and everything that pointed to Calvary came to there, and the Lamb was slain. And everything is provided and waiting. Now the next thing has to be, the invitation has to be given out. And God alone comes and gives them out. The preacher says... All things are ready. That's the preacher speaking. All things are ready. The invitations went forth. The preacher said all things are ready. God gave the invitation after the preaching of the Word. The, how do you know all things are ready? It's written in the Word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the Word of God. Your healing is ready. Your great jubilee is ready tonight. Hallelujah. God's great divine healing campaign for you is ready. Amen. The Christ has been killed. His blood has been shed. The Holy Ghost is here and the Father is giving you an invitation. All things are ready. Who said so? The Word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word. 
God uses preachers to bring the word. You hear by faith. Elijah was sitting up on the mountain. And God told him to go down. Because down there there was a widow woman that was in trouble. And she was out in the yard trying to pick up two sticks. And down the street comes the preacher, the prophet. And as he walked by, leaned over the fence in this widow in the yard, he said, go fetch me a little water and a morsel of bread. And she said, as, look, see how God knows how to send. God had already give her the invitation. Here comes the preacher that preached the word, Elijah. And he said, bring me a, this morsel of bread and a little water. And she said, as the Lord liveth, that I only have just a little bit of meal. In other words, I scraped the barrel all out, dusted it out. And I got just enough sharpening to make one little cake. And I'm out here getting two sticks. And I'm going to bake the cake. My son and I will eat it and die. Oh, I wish I had time to get in on that. I feel it pouring from heaven. Look. The two sticks was the cross. The old Indian in the old-fashioned way of making a fire. You woodsmen, my brethren, know what I mean. You're taking build a fire in the middle of the two logs and keep pushing the ends in. The heat is in the middle. And she said, I'm going in and take these two sticks and build a fire and cook the cake. And the cake was made of meal, which means the wave offering, which was Christ. And I'm going to bake it with fire. That's Holy Ghost fire. We had time to get into it. In the middle of the cross. And the son and I are going to eat it and die. What? Here comes the word. The preacher, faith, cometh by hearing, hearing the word. Listen to Elijah. Go seek God first. Bake that little cake and bring it out to me. For thus saith the Lord, the meal will never cease, neither will the cruise run down until the day that God sends rain on the earth. Amen. Is it? Then, with the last sustaining of life she had, she laid it on the fire of the cross and sought God first, brought the whole cake out and gave it to Elijah, and he ate it. I'd like to have one like that, wouldn't you? And he ate it, and she went back and dipped out a big whole cake out of a barrel and left to make one for her son and eat until the rain comes. Why? God sent his preacher. Faith cometh by hearing Hearing all the words. Invitations give out. Now, as soon as the invitations is give out, then excuses is made. Oh, yes, one married a wife and the other bought some oxen. You know the story. That's the way it is today. God made the supper ready. 
sent the preacher to preach the faith. What happened? Oh, I can't go because I'm a deacon in another church. I just couldn't do that. Well, I couldn't go because it would lower my prestige. Your prestige. Then, oh, I couldn't go because I don't believe them old holy rollers that act like that. I'll just, I, I'm going to live my life. <laughs> Excuses is made. Oh, it's too straight. I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Excuses made. Well, I'm so tired when I come in at night. I can't go to church. That's the excuses today. Oh, I'm afraid that husband wouldn't like it. I'm afraid my wife would kick me out of the house. She ought to if that's the kind of man you are. But there you are. Excuses made. Many of them we could name. Excuses. Now, then the... The servant come back and said, Lord, that was down from Luther on down to Wesley Hayes. All kinds of excuses made. Oh, well, we got other things to do. But then, when the servant come back and said, I've done all this and they got all the excuses, watch what he said to the preacher now. Suffer's already fixed. Amen. Already past time. Said, I want you to give the supper call now. Leave them alone. They won't come anyhow. But go out and start a healing campaign. Bring in the lame, the blind, the halt. And everybody hollering today about healing campaigns to get a crowd. What's the matter with you, preacher? That's the line of the Bible. Right. Go get the lame and the halt. That's the last call before the coming of the Lord, according to the Bible. Go out and call healing campaigns, miracles and signs and wonders to be done, and bring them in, because I'm, I'm going to have my table set full. Amen. I've made it. I've killed my fatness. I'm going to have a real supper. And you go out and bring in the lame, the halt, the blind, the afflicted. Brother, that's a meal call. Divine healing is the program of today. That's God's last call, is divine healing. And then these fellows that wouldn't accept it and sit back with their big old dry theology tries to say that we put divine healing in the paper to get a crowd. Jesus said to. <laughs> oh, that would make a Baptist shout if he had the same thing. Right? Divine healing is the order of the day. Now, he didn't just go out to say, now, on this last call, I want you to go out and bring them in and give them a fine, great big denomination to live by. I don't want you to do this, that, or the other. That wasn't in the program. He said, now, in the old rental, let's go back and get the custom, what he said to When the king made his supper, now, you know what? The bridegroom, as the invitations was given... And all the lame, the halt, and the blind would come up, or ever who was called and had an invitation, came. Now it was customary that how could they come in if they were poor and all different ways of dressing? And how could they ever look right? One sitting with a fine suit on, the other sitting with a pair of overhauls. It wouldn't look right. 
So he said, now, when the invitation was given, the bridegroom had to furnish the robe. That's the oriental custom. The bridegroom had to go and buy a robe for everyone that was invited. So that when the person come up and they only had one way, glory, thanks be to God for that. No 960 different ways, but one way. Jesus said, I am that way. And the king's son, the bridegroom, stood at the door to receive the invitation. And each one that come with an invitation, the bridegroom received the invitation. The father had given the invitation. He came and handed it to the bridegroom. The bridegroom, in a return, put a robe on every one that come in as identification. Oh, my! Put a robe on everyone that good or bad, rich or poor, all looked alike. Amen. Now, this robe is none other than the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the robe. In a type, the robe that Elisha, which was the old prophet, a type of Christ, Elisha followed him, succeeded him, was the type of the church. For the Elijah done four, I believe, out, or it might have been eight, four or eight, I don't know for sure now, outstanding miracles, and Elisha, the church, asked for a double potion of his spirit. A double potion. And he said, keep your eyes towards heaven then, and if you see me when I go up, you'll have it. And as Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind, a cloud, a fire, and was received out of the sight of Elisha, Elijah threw back his robe, and Elisha put it on, walked down to the Jordan, and struck said, where is the God of Elijah, and done twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Jesus told the church, these things that I do shall you also, and more than this, a double portion of this. And they went up to the day of Pentecost, scared, powerless, helpless, and waited after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he threw back, sent down from heaven the very same power the very same robe that he wore come back and fell on the church. The Holy Ghost. The robe. And it's something that whenever man has been invited and you can't go by the door of the church, Jesus said, I am the way. If you go by the church, you'll get all mixed up in theology and documented. Why, some of these old cold morgues around here, the spiritual thermometer goes 40 below zero. If you say amen, they'd run you out of church. What we need today is an old-fashioned, God-sent, heaven-born, Holy Ghost revival.
that'll shake the starch out of church members and get them back on the right path again to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what we need today. Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. I used to wonder why how he could be a door. In the Orient, I find out that the shepherd is the door. He brings his sheep in and then lays down at the door to be sure the wolf or nothing else goes in there without him knowing it. That's the way he came up. He is the door. There's only one door to the sheepfold. The rest of it is a panoramic. <laughs> Amen. I am the door to the sheepfold. By me you enter. No man can come to the Father except by the Son. No man can come by your church. No man can come by your priest. No man can come by any idol. No man can come by any man-made theology. I am the door. And if you come to Christ, you, Christ's life was taken to Calvary, opened up a wound in his side, and through there poured out the blood, the invitation to the church. And the only thing it does is clean a lost sinner and go right back into the same body he come out of. Amen. The Holy Ghost. Jesus said himself, except the man be born of water and of spirit, he will in no wise come to my supper. <laughs> you got to come by the water and spirit. There they were. When this robe come on, I don't mean some big robe that some company made out here. That's on the outside for man to be seen. But the robe that Christ gives you, you say, is it a robe? Yes. He told the woman, he said, let my son sit on one side and the other. He said, can you drink the cup that I drink? Can you be robed or baptized with the same baptism that I'm baptized with? He said, you will be. Amen. The Holy Ghost that was in Christ comes into the believer that's got the invitation to the supper, and he's counted a son because he becomes a part of the Father. Amen. I know you think I'm crazy, but if I am, let me alone. I'm happy this way. I feel better this way than I did the other way. You want to have me like mine? Oh, it's wonderful. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. When that robe comes in, there's a little hidden power that comes down into your heart that all devils in hell can't make it out of. That hidden power. Not with a great big something across your forehead and a doctor of divinity wrote this way. It's an inside hidden power. Amen. It's been God's program since the first lamb was slain in the Garden of Eden. Or outside the garden. Right. Samson had it. He had a hidden power. A touch of the Holy Ghost. Now, a lot of people say Samson had shoulders like a barn door. Well, it wasn't. Well, some of these 
here artist that tries to paint his picture, that would be no mystery to me. To see a man with shoulders like barn doors slay a lion or take up a gate and walk away with it. But Samson is just a little bitty mama's boy. A little curly-headed shrimp, about like that. Now that's what fooled the people. And he was just an ordinary boy. Had seven little curls hanging down his back. Looked like a little sissy. That's right. Everybody would laugh at him, a type of a Holy Ghost church. And he was a weakling. But when the hour comes that God wanted to use him, he was a giant, brother. God wants a church that he can lay his hands on. I don't care how little it is, two or three gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. Now just speak in the name, you say, well, we gather in his name. Speaking the name of Jesus by word is not what he meant, so much as it is the attitude that you're gathered in. The environment of the name of Jesus. When you're gathered in my name, then ask what you will. It's the, the motive that you come in, the attitude. It's an attitude instead of so much of a calling a name. Sinners call that name on the street. Curse it and everything else. But it's the environment that you're in, the attitude that you come. Coming in Jesus' name. I could see Samson. He was on his road to see his girlfriend. Little sissy boys, little mommy, picked his little curls up. And here he was going down to see his little girlfriend. And a great big lion run out and roared at him, his helpless. And the Bible said that the Spirit of God came on him. And he grabbed that line like it was a little goat, important too. What a man he was when the Spirit of God came on him. He had a hidden power. Amen. That had been given him. Well, that same Spirit of God is the Holy Ghost. It's a hidden power. Yes. And he flew the line as if it would have been a kid. How powerful he was. Because he had a hidden power. Now, the man with this hidden power is not so much as uh, you couldn't operate on him and find it. The doctor might cut him to pieces, but he looks like an ordinary man. And they wonder what it is. Some people think it's a rabbit foot that you rub behind your ear. But it isn't. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's been brought in by divine grace, by God our Father, and fill that individual with his presence. You shall receive life, eternal life, Zoe, God's own life, dwelling in you. Oh, what a hidden power is. Daniel had it. And when the lions run at him, the hidden power showed itself out and the lions got scared. Daniel had some hidden power. The Hebrew children had it. And when the fire started to burn them, it was hotter than the fire was. So it cut the fire out and cut the rope. Hidden power. Peter had it after Pentecost. And he went through the gate called Beautiful. And there let a man crippled from his mother's womb. Said, silver and gold have I none. But I got some hidden power I'll give you if you believe it. <laughs> and he picked him up by the hand and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. 
And you know what? He projected hidden power. And when that man's able bones got strong, he leaped in the air like a heart and began to jump and praise the Lord. And these doctors of theology said, now I wonder what this is all about. Hidden power. Robes were given out. How the king giving out robes. Oh, God, today, sinner friends, you lukewarm church members, God's long-suffering, the reason this last call come in, rather call for the sick and the afflicted and blind to be brought in, because it's long past the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now, you might differ with me on that, teacher, but I want to tell you something. Jesus said in St. Matthew, the 24th chapter, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And God was not willing that any should perish, but was long-suffering. God's long-suffering today. And he's making his last call. The afflicted. Now watch. And when they all come in and had their robes on, come to the door of the Lord Jesus. He says, that's the way you come? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it's exactly right. Peter's introduced the way on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Ghost is falling, all them theologians was making fun and saying, well, ha, look at this bunch of fanatics. Oh, acting like drunk people. And remember, my dear sister, the Virgin Mary had to be there just the same. And if God would not let her in outside of receiving that fanaticism, you'll never get there anything less than she would. You know that. She was right up there with the rest of them. And she acted just like the rest of them, drunk. Amen. What's the matter, you Pentecostal people? I believe Pentecost is getting in that old rut like the rest. You've denominated yourself and drawed lines and barriers and everything. That's what's happened to you. Right? Tear down the walls of separation. Get that old spooky thing away from you. Get free with God. Have prayer meetings. One fellow was telling me this afternoon, I don't mean this for any harm. I don't mean it for a joke. After the message last night, a first sister comes in and said, You know what? She said, I've been using pancake makeup for a long time to hide pimples on my face. But said, when I preached got through last night, I went and washed my face. <laughs> God bless you, sister. You're not far from the kingdom. <laughs> yes, brother. Get back to the old hewing line. You let the members come in and say, Oh, you know who this is? This is Mr. Jones. He's just around the corner. Oh, he's got a swell. He's got the Cadillac. Well, we couldn't, you know what? Well, we couldn't afford not to take him because he put the same windows in the building, you know. We got to take him in the church. There's where you weaken, brother. He'll have to pay the price like the rest of them did. I know of a, a church that took a member in just recently. And he was so worried till he didn't want to come out publicly in the church and confess Christ. And the preacher took him back in the ante room and there took him in the church. He ought to have took a foot and out the door with him. That's what he ought to have done. Or down the altar. That's exactly right. Oh, brother, when the weakens a preacher got a meal ticket in view. You ought to have the cross in view and Christ in view. So no God's going to make it pay for your little old sissified ways you're doing, God wants man. Right. Man's not measured by how big his arm is, or man's measured by character. Certainly. Big man is brute. I've seen man that weighed 200 pounds, didn't have an ounce of man in him. 
But man is measured by character. So is women measured by character. And if we are sons and daughters of God, what type of character ought we to be? Now, here's what's the matter. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, these fellows said, well, how can we get into this supper? Peter said, repent, every one of you. Not walk up and shake hands with the preacher. Not go up and take the first communion. No, sir. There's no such thing wrote in the Bible. Could you imagine Acts 2 reading like this? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and one apart. And all of a sudden, the Dr. Bishop walked out and said, Now we will take this man to the right hand of fellowship and give him, put him into the church. Could you imagine? And when the day of Pentecost come, that's the Protestant way, the Catholic way. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the priests come out, the sinner comes to the altar, licked out his tongue, put a little wafer, the priest drank the wine, they had it, the Holy Eucharist, the Holy Ghost, in other words. <laughs> Don't sound right. But the Bible said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there never come up the road or out of behind the curtains, but there come from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And was so hot in there, the fire began to lick like tongues. <laughs> That's a way to get rid of the thing. Brother Woods and Billy and I today walked down to the lake. And that old lake was really a-jumping. Oh, my. I tell you, the white caps is a-breaking, and I love water. Any good Baptist does. So, oh, how the water was jumping. And I looked out there, and Brother Woods said, Say, that thing's rough. I said, It's got a revival. He said, oh, what? <laughs> he looked around at me, and he said, now nah, I know you're a cheat shocker. <laughs> a cheat shocker, that's the Indian name for Greenhorn <laughs> in Alaska. And he said, I said, sure, it's got a revival. I said, don't see how happy it is? It's just clapping hands and jumping. <laughs> see? But I said, Brother Woods, there's no more water in it than when it's perfectly quiet. <laughs> that's right. Well, then you wonder, why do you need a revival? What brings that rough water like that? A wind was coming. That makes a revival. And when the Holy Ghost comes like a rushing mighty wind, it brings a revival. And what did the revival do to the lake? Every bit of trash was on the red lake was washed out of the bank. That's what we need a revival for, is to wash some of the worldly trash out of the Holy Ghost church. We need a rushing, mighty wind coming from heaven. Some of the worldly denomination trash is brought in with it. Maybe you ought to have said that, but I still say it's the truth. God's Word. Have a revival. Get the waves to jump in again. You'll see all this max factor go out of business as far as the Pentecostal church is concerned, man. And some of you men will get that wishbone out of you and get a real he-man backbone in you and make your wife straighten up. Spank that little old daughter of yours running around there on the street and some man insult her, and then you go around to have the man arrested, you ought to have a weapon. You're the guy. You, brother. That's right. You're the one. You ought to be the ruler of the house. God's holding you responsible the way you're letting that girl do. Let her come in at the night time or... Hair all mucked up in a cigarette and paint all over her face. 
I got to. I don't know what they'll do, but one thing, brother, as long as I've got life and a barrel strapped laying close, I'll do my part. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe that the ought. You talk about the illiteracy of Kentucky, brother. You all got a long ways to go before you come up to them up there. That's right. Let one of them gals come in like that. Much like that old mammy with that little old sunbonnet on will do. She said, get yourself over here with the hickory and them, brother. I mean, she won't get out of the house for three or four days because she wouldn't be able. And that's right. And you say, she's crazy. They said the same thing about Elijah sitting up there with some colored porters called crows bringing something to eat and drinking for all the time he wanted to. And it was a good pool. And there they was down there gnawing their tongues for pain, nothing to eat and starving. He was faring all right. Don't you feel sorry for these guys that shouting and praising the Lord and having a good time and living a holy life? Don't you feel sorry for them? They feel sorry for you. That's what it is. You're the one that needs to be feel, feel sorry for. Now, Peter said there, he said, now what can we do if we want to receive this? He said, repent. What is repent? It means to turn around. You was going with the world, turn around and go up towards God. Now you're looking down this way, look up this way. Repent. Run on the big long face like this. Well, bless God, I've been in the church for 40 years. Then repent. Look up this way and say, Hallelujah. There it is. That's what you want to do. Turn around. Look different. That's what you should do. Repent, every one of you. And not be sprinkled. No such a thing in the Bible. That's some of the dogma that you packed out of the, before the Reformation. The Bible don't teach that. Said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive a robe. <laughs> for the promises unto you. How long is these robes going to be get up until the wedding supper takes place? <laughs> That's right. Or for the first age, no, until. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And to them is far off. Watch, even as many as the Father gives the invitation to. Is that right? As many as the Lord our God shall call. Is that the scripture? Well, if God's still giving out invitation, He's still got robes. Lord, I'm so glad tonight for it, aren't you? How? Repent. Change your way of living. Look up towards God. God knock at your heart. Then turn and repent. Say, yes, Lord. Amen. Don't look at the church any longer. Don't look at the people any longer. Look at Him. Repent. Look this way. Amen. Then be baptized, He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Hallelujah. And you shall receive Hallelujah. the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what the Bible says. For, quoting Scripture, the promise isn't to you and to your children and to them as far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The wedding supper's on. God's still giving the invitation. There's still Jesus is the door. I am the door. He's still standing there and everyone that comes by his invitation, he gives him a robe. Amazing thing. Not long ago, Brother Price just returned from Sinai. And if Brother Tommy, I don't see him back here, but I guess he's around here somewhere. He is with him. And Brother Price told me at the Christian Businessman's Convention, before the audience, he said, Brother Brandon, or to the audience, brother, excuse me, 
He said, those people didn't even know which is right or left hand. They never seen a newspaper in their life. They never know there was an Eisenhower or MacArthur or anything else. They never seen as much as a screen door. But let those people who were perfectly pagan, and when they received the Holy Ghost, they act and do the same way that people does in Chicago when they receive the Holy Ghost. For the same robe that's put on here is put on there. As many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. Oh, brethren, shake your ecclesiastic self. Shake that church doctrine away from you. Come back to God. That's what the church needs tonight. The supper calls on. The robes are being given out. God is taking from the Gentile a people for his namesake in the last days, bring them into campaigns of healing. The lame, blind, halt, and withered. These big starchy stuck-ups won't even come. They think they're better, so Jesus said, They won't taste my supper. Hallelujah! Taste and see the Lord is good. It tastes like honey in the rock. Amen. Oh, how good it is. I've seen it in the church when the people would all be filled, a little prayer meeting somewhere, to the church and even lick their tongues. So good. Spiritually speaking. Wonderful. Sure, it's honey. Reminds me of one time on a little fishing trip. I love to fish. And I was way up in northern Maine, or New Hampshire, the home of the white-tailed deer. A lot of brook trout in there, and I packed back for three days with a pack on my back. And I had a little old rusty twenty-two rifle laying there, but I was fishing. And one morning early, I walked away from my little tent and went down there to cut some sticks so that, the, uh, that I could get my fly down in a nice hole there where I seen some fine trout. I thought I'd get some trout in there for dinner. So I went down early and was cutting down some limbs. I got fooling around down there watching these trout and pitching in little bugs and watching them grab them and so forth. And I thought I'd better go back to the tent, maybe, and get me some breakfast. So when I got back to the tent, there'd been an old mother bear and two cubs got in there. They had deliberately tore the thing to pieces. And there they was, and a bear, it isn't what he eats, it's what he tears up. He just get a stovepipe, just jump on it like that to hear it rattle. And he's just mischievous. And these little cubbies, they're born in February. The mother knows nothing about it. They're just a little bitty thing, like, about like a rat when they're born. And the mother's sound asleep. But she produces milk for those until about the middle of May when a thaw comes. And then the bear is a pretty good-sized fella when the mother sees him and he comes out. And then along this time of year, around June like this was, they're pretty good-sized bears. Oh, something stand on all four about this high standing up, up. So I happened to look when I come up, the old mother spotted me. And so she cooed to her cubs and cuffed one of them on the ear with her hand and run off. And she got over there and one cub followed her. The other one wouldn't. So she, she cooed. You'd have to know her. got like a little warder like a bird. If you hear a bear, he doesn't act so bad as people said he does. And he was making a little noise and he's trying to get that other cub. Well, I seen this little cub sitting with his back turned. And I said, what's the matter with that fellow? Well, she act like she's coming back. Well, she can climb better than I can. So I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to kill her. I had a hatchet in my hand and leave them orphans in the woods. So I thought, get away from her, fella. <laughs> so go on over there, your manny. 
But he wasn't going. He was just going to sit right there. So I didn't know what he was doing. And the mother cooed several other times and kept running around this other cub. And I see she's getting all worked up. So I thought, I'll see what's interesting that little fellow to hold his attention. Even me, a man, standing here, this axe in my hand, a little chopping axe. And I said, wonder why he don't run. Usually a bear will just take off. But I walked around to one side, and to my amazement, that's the cutest thing I ever seen. You know, I, I like pancakes and molasses. I don't know where you do it. And when I like plenty molasses on my pancakes. And I'm a Baptist, you know, and I don't believe in sprinkling. I just pour them on real heavy. So I always take me a big bucket of molasses. And this little old bear had got in there and got my bucket of molasses. And he had that lid off of it. He was sitting down like this with all hugs in his arms, stocking his little foot down and licking it. Okay. Well, I said, get away from there. And when he looked around, he couldn't see me. His eyes was all stuck full of molasses. He looked at me like that, looked back and started stopping his little foot again. Until he cleaned that bucket out. And I thought, brother, if that ain't an old-time Pentecostal meeting he's had, I've never seen one. <laughs> Got his hand in there, a honey bucket come up to his arm like this, just a stopping away. No condemnation at all. No fear, no nothing else. Only thing he's doing is stopping. <laughs> no wonder it tastes like honey to run. But the strange thing was, when he finally stopped the bucket out, and he went over there where his mammy was, his little brother, and his mammy began to lick him, <laughs> getting some of the honey. Oh, it's wonderful. Notice how marvelous. Now, when the robes was all given out, the people come by the way. Every man that come to the door got a robe. So the Bible goes ahead now in closing for a moment. Notice, as the, it goes on, the Bible says that the supper was made, and all the lame and the halt and the blind come up and got ready, got on a robe and went in. And after a while, after the great table was set, the king come out himself, the bridegroom. And he, to his surprise, there was a man there that didn't have on any robe. wonder what he was. Was he a Presbyterian? Was he a Pentecostal? See? He didn't have on any robe. He was just dressed in his ordinary street garden. Now, Jesus never called him a devil. He said, friend, how did you get in? There's one thing sure, he hadn't come to the door. If he had come to the door, he'd have got a robe. But he'd climbed up some other way. He went by his church. Now, as certain as I'm standing here, there's going to be that type of people there. He must have come by the way of the church. He must have come by some man-made theology. Shake a hand, be sprinkled or something. He didn't come by the door. If he had, he had repented, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just exactly like the apostles did. That's the door they went in. That's the door you have to go in. That's the door everybody has to go in. Because he is the door. He is the bridegroom. He stands there and the Father gives the invitations, calls you, and you come up and he gives you the robe to come in. And every man receives it just the same way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come out and receive God. Accept God. Be baptized. Calling upon the name of the Lord. And the Holy Ghost comes in and fills you just like they did on the day of Pentecost. The same way. But this man must have come in a window. He slipped in. Now look. And when the king, the bridegroom said to him, Friend, how did you get in? 
That showed there'd been some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost preachers down on the ground. For he stood speechless. He had sat maybe in the Chicago meeting. <laughs> See? He knowed better, and he knowed before God he couldn't say, I never heard about it. For he had been in some Holy Ghost meetings. He had seen the lame healed, the blind, and seen the great miracles of God. So he stood speechless. And what did God say to do with that man? Bind him hand and foot to outer darkness where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Suit yourself, friend. That's the gospel. That's Jesus Christ's own words. It was only a parable. It was a prophecy. And it'll be that way someday. So tonight, while the gates are open and the waters are flowing free, and everything is ready, and the Father knocks at your heart and says, Son, you've been playing church long enough. It's time for you to get right. I'd advise you to go to the door and get a robe on and come to the supper. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, nothing thrills our heart more than hearing your word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of thy word. I pray thee, God, that this revival that's going on now, or this convention, will turn into an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival in the coming week, coming days, rather. I pray that you'll send down such anointed blessings upon the people till the lame and the blind and the withered and the halt and maimed shall be healed, and that many that are laying in the waysides and on the streets today will be brought in and not only healed physically, but be given an invitation to come to the wedding supper and receive a robe granted, Father. Bless And if there be any of those type here tonight, Father, may they now know that you are knocking at their door, the heart door, the very gate of the soul. And I pray, Father, that if there's any here in that condition that has never come to thee and been born again and never received the Holy Spirit, I pray, Father, that you will put conviction on their heart at this moment and they will reverently raise their hand to thee and say, By this, Lord, I know that I am wrong and I want you to have mercy upon me and give me the robe of the righteousness of the Son of God. For, Lord Jesus, set before us is a great dark door to every mortal here tonight and in the world. It's called the door of death. Every time our heart beats, we get one step closer to that door. Someday we have to go in. Oh, God, speaking for myself, Lord, I want to go to that door with this one thing. I want to wrap myself in the robes of his righteousness, by this assurance that I know him in the power of his resurrection, that when he calls, he'll call me from among the dead. Dear God, grant solemnly tonight that desire of every heart, as we know that we don't know how many more beats we got before we meet eternity. Give that desire in every heart, and may they express the same as I ask them to raise their hand. And while we have our heads bowed, solemnly in the presence of God, I wonder if you're without a robe tonight. If Jesus would come, though you're a member of the church, literal here on earth, but you've never come in by the door. You've never got the robe of Christ. Don't try to stand in your own righteousness. Don't stand in your own ability of the Word of God. You might be a 
marvelous preacher. Satan could out-preach you any time. He knows more about the Word than you'll ever know. Certainly. Those Pharisees and Sadducees, why, they know more about the Word than any of our scholars will ever know. But they didn't know Jesus. To know the Word's not life. To know your catechism's not life. To know your church doctrine's not life. But to know Him is life. Do you know Him? Since He's made Himself acquainted with you to give you an invitation and you receive His role, His righteousness. God forbid I couldn't stand in my righteousness. I have none. Neither could you. Let's take His righteousness tonight and just yield our step to Him and let Him fill us full of His righteousness, the Holy Ghost, and then work for Him till He comes. Is that desire in any heart here that would raise your hand to God? God bless you, young man. May He make a minister for him. God bless you and you and you and you. Oh, my. Just look at the hands up in the balconies. God bless you up there. That's right. Raise your hand. It might not seem very much, but the recording angel will take it down and certainly come standing here. God bless you, my colored brother there. That's right. Put your hand up. Is there a wayward person here that's got out of the way? God bless you over here, lady. Someone else. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, lady. God bless you, young lady. And you and you, lady. That's right. Straight away from the way. And by uplifted hand, say, Jehovah, you're knocking at my heart. You're the ones telling me right now, you've been wrong. You've never received the Holy Spirit. Your life proves that you haven't. I don't care. You might have spoke with tongues. You might have jumped and shouted. That's all goes with it. But unless God has vindicated that, I don't have nothing to do with it. I've seen witches speaking tongues and interpreting and jumping dance and everything else. But I mean a real vindication of the love of God is poured into your heart. Then you're speaking in tongues and things is all right when that kind of a life backs it up. But if you've got a temper and selfish and, and denominational minded and you don't want to fellowship with nobody else because they don't belong to your church, brother, you're wrong. The Spirit of God wouldn't do that. It loves its brother and its and whatever church it's in. Will you raise up your hand to Christ, somebody that has and say, By this, God, forgive me for my stupidity, and I now will accept the role if you'll only give it to me. God bless you. God bless you, lady. God bless you over there. Yes, more. God bless you, lady. You, you. Down in the pit down here. I see someone. I around on the right-hand side of the balcony. If you've not, my dear friend, we may never meet again in this world. We may have to leave here without seeing each other again. But let me go on the books of heaven tonight, and the recording angel take it down. I've invited every one of you to receive Christ, to be born again. I've not shunned to declare to you the whole gospel, though it's hurt sometimes. But I'll say one thing. I'm innocent of the blood of men and women. Are you ready to receive Christ once more? Come
music scored, what is a sinner? A doubter, unbelief. Sin is unbelief. But you go say, I belong to church, and I'm talking about unbelief. You don't believe in the supernatural. You don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You're a sinner. The Bible says you are. You need to come up to God must believe that He is and a rewarder of those that seek Him. Here some time ago, I was talking on a message like this. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. A man thinks he's right. But the end thereof is a way of death. I was holding a person by the hand. And they thought they were right, so did I. But when death struck them, their eyes glassing like that and begin to scream and cry. It's too late then. They went on. There's a way that seemeth right. So why, if you're not positive now that you're passing death to life, God's Spirit bearing record with yours, one more verse, and while we're saying this verse, not to me, not to anyone else, every head bowed, eyes closed, raise your hand to God and say, Remember me, Father. I want to go on record in heaven tonight as my name that I'm seeking you. I want forgiveness of my stupid sins, and I want forgiveness, and I want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I raise my hand to you, saying I do. Come. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's right. and a supernatural world at the same time. Angels are gathered here. Christ is here. And every hand that went up, they were receiving that invitation from Father. He knocked at their heart. And you said, All the Father has given to me will come to me. We know that's true, Father. And we're so thankful. Now, in your own way, Will you give to them the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Put the robe of Christ around them, and may they stand in His righteousness alone. Grant it, Lord. Bless their souls. And young men raising their hand, call them into the ministry, Lord. Let them go into the hedges and highways and ditches, pull out the lame, halt, and blind. Grant it, Father. And when we all meet there at that day, we'll praise Thee. Now Thy Word has said, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but is passing death for life. Grant the artist to live a peaceful, happy life, loving and serving thee and bringing forth fruits. Grant it, Lord, until we meet at that great day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. So happy to have had this time of talk with you and little fellowship later tonight than ever when I was boys and all got to drive for nearly 300 miles tonight. Now, how many feels real good? Just say, the Lord just blessing me and I just feel so good. Thank you. I am so feel so good with you. 
Now, there's many years to be prayed for. How many in the building is to be prayed for? Let's see here. Who wants to be prayed for? Raise your hands everywhere. Balconies and everywhere desires to be prayed for. Oh, brethren, if you're somewhere, you see what a job you have on hand now. How many believe that Jesus is raised from the dead? If Jesus is raised from the dead, he'll do the same thing tonight that he did when he was here. If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, will he do it? You believe he will? When Jesus was here, did he claim to be a healer? Watch him. No. He claimed he wasn't a healer. Is that right? It's not me that doeth the works. It's my Father that dwelleth in me. Now, do you believe God was in Noah? The Spirit of Christ in Noah? Sure. Was it in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph? Was it in David when he looked over Jerusalem being dethroned and rejected and wept? And the son of David come a few hundred years later and wept over Jerusalem too as the spirit of Christ and David. But then it was in a potion as prophets and so forth. But when it come to Christ, he was the fullness of the Godhead. In him dwelt all. God was in Christ. Christ was God. Christ was a human body of Jehovah God. God and Christ were one. And God was in him reconciling the world to himself. So he had the spirit without measure. He did nothing, he said, except the Father showed him. Now, he knew the secrets of the hearts. He could perceive their thoughts and all that. And then he healed the sick as the Father showed him. Did he heal everybody he come in contact with? No. No. Just as the Father showed him, he said. St. John 19, or 519, he said, I do just as verily, verily I say unto you, I do nothing of myself. A son can do nothing in himself. But what the Father showeth the Son, that doeth the Son likewise. Now, there's some prayer cards out. And there's strangers with us who've never been in the meeting. Our friends, we're not healers. You won't hear Brother Osborne, or you won't hear Brother Tommy Hicks, or Brother Ogilvy, any of them say that they're healers. We don't. No, sir. They're good, sound men. They won't say they're healers. They say God sent them to pray for his sick children. That's what we do. Now, but we don't do now. They give them a gift. Now, Brother Osborne is a marvelous teacher. Brother Tommy is a teacher too, and both of them are real, real hold on faith. Brother Ogilvy the same way. And so they hold on to God. Mine is a prophetic gift. It's see, foretells. And so that's the difference. But it's all the same spirit. Now we're going to call some of the prayer uh, one to a hundred and one. What? Cues? Where we started seven last night and went up to about well, 15 or 20. Let's start from 25 tonight. Q25. Who has Q25? Raise up your hand. All right. Go right down there, if you will. All right. Billy, if you will, go down there. Just I want everyone real reverent. Now, if there's anybody feels that you must go in the next 10 minutes or 15, I would leave right now so you won't disturb. I say uh, 25. Um, now, and I, I, I want you to do this. Now, if you have to go, if you, if you really have to go, manifestation and everything that he ever was, he is tonight. Don't you believe that? Right. Now, if he will return to this audience, I want you to know this little gift that the God has given me, and I appreciate, for I, I'm not a preacher, I am uh, his servant, see, 
And now, I don't operate that. You do that yourself. Your faith does that. I have nothing to do with it. It's just me yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, look. There was a woman who had a blood issue one time. How many believe that God was in Christ? Sure. All right. A woman with a blood issue walked over and touched his garment and went back and hid herself and even denied that she touched him. And Jesus said, somebody touched me. Peter said, everybody touched you. Why do you say that? He said, but I got weak. Virtue went from me. And he looked around, all denied. And that strength where it was going went right to the little woman and told her. Is that right? Now, what was it? Jesus didn't know. He was a man in human flesh. He was a man. But the woman touched God through Christ. See what I mean? Now, you touch him the same way. Now, Jesus' corporal body is sitting at the right hand of God in the majesty and high as a sin offering. And then his spirit that was in that body has come back into predestined, foreordained offices in the church that you touch God the same way to these bodies that's not in their own self, not worthy, sure not. But they don't stand in their own righteousness. They stand in the robe of the Lord Jesus and His righteousness to declare His word. See what I mean? All right? I have faith. Now, you're the one who does it. Jesus did just as the Father showed him. Now, if God will do that in return on this night before I turn the services to our dear beloved brother evangelist that's going to continue the meeting, how many of you say solemnly with all my heart, I'll believe it if you'll do it again tonight, I'll believe it with all my heart and accept it. Let's see your hands. Everywhere now, before God. God bless you. All right. Now, Brother Wood, or what is Yes, before I forget it, I'll ask prayer for these handkerchiefs. Heavenly Father, you know the people that sent these handkerchiefs, and I pray as I ask your blessings, I realize, Lord, it's not much, but will you receive your poor, unworthy servant's prayer and will heal every one that these handkerchiefs represent? May when he goes to those little sick children and dad and mother and son and daughter, I pray, Father, that you will heal every one of them in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Uh, are you all going to stay with me and pray? Hello. This is hard, friends. I, I suppose all of you in here are Christians. I hope you are. See? If you're not, you should be. But now God comes in His Word, vindicates His Word. Now I want you to be real reverent, just like you had plenty of time. And... You don't want to get excited. You upset, then you upset someone else, and you're all a part of God. See, it's the body a moving. If this hands are hurting and cramping, how can this hand work right? See, it's all got to be in unity and quietness, like it was at Pentecost. All expecting something to happen. Now, it happens to be tonight that this is a very outstanding time again of two people meeting, as they did in the Bible times. I believe, as I said of the night, the reason Micah had the truth he, about against 400 prophets because he had the Bible, the Word of God. He stayed with the Bible. And everything must be right with the Bible. If it isn't, I, I don't say God couldn't do what God, but I believe just what he says, and that's enough for me. Now, here's a woman, uh, a colored lady, me a white man. And here she comes walking up here tonight. I've never seen this woman in my life. I suppose we're strangers to one another, are we, ladies? 
you, you know me? This woman says that four years ago she come to the Philadelphian church and was just a little bitty thing like that, eat up with cancer, and I prayed for her and look at her now. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? God bless her. But now, now, probably in four years I've probably prayed for many, many hundreds of thousands of people since then. And you're just coming on the platform, and especially if the anointing will come tonight and will strike me tomorrow. You know, the only way I know what I said to you, when them recorders right there, see them going, see them here? When them recorders, they play it back to me and I see what I say. But to know you or know what you're here for, I know not, do I? Don't know, no, don't know a thing about it. And then there's a, a colored woman, a white man. One time that happened at, uh, as Jesus was going down to Jericho. And he had need to go by Samaria. I, I wonder why. I believe the Father sent him up there, don't you? Because the footsteps of a righteous man is ordained of God and ordered of God. Now, Jesus goes up there, so he sends all his disciples away, and a Samaritan woman. And there was a great segregation in them days, just like there is today, between the different races. But Jesus told her right quick, there's no difference. We're all one. The country you was raised in, where your native home come from, down in the south in Africa, got hot down there, turns the skin dark, and I come from up in the Anglo-Saxon country where it's cold and we were bleached out, and, but we're all, we could give one another a blood transfusion. We're the same God made of all nations, one blood. Right. And it just happens to be that tonight the same picture reverses and comes again. Isn't that right? You're a, and so Jesus said to that woman when she come out, she is a woman of ill fame, we to believe. And Jesus said to her, not knowing her, never seen her in his life, he said, bring me a drink. Why, she said, it's not customary for Jews to ask Americans such. We don't have any dealings. The, the racial segregation. And Jesus said, but if you know who you're talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And I'd bring you water, give you water, you don't come here to drink. The conversation went on for a while. Did you ever stop to think what Jesus was carrying that conversation for? Did the audience ever think of that minister? Did you ever think why he talked to her? Now, here's my own belief. I think he was contacting her spirit. See? Because I know it works the same way here. See? Contacting her spirit. And as soon as he got her contact, he found where her trouble was, and he told her what her trouble was. Is that right? What her trouble was. And he said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any. He said, that's right. You've got five, and the one you have now is not your husband. And what did she say? She said, sir, I perceive that you are a what? Prophet. She said, now we know, we Samaritans, we know that when the Messiah cometh, he'll do these things. He'll tell us these things. But who are you? He said, I'm he that speaks to you. And she dropped her water pot and ran into the city. That was a sign of the Messiah. Is that right? Anybody that ever read the fourth chapter of St. John? Is that right? Whoever read the first chapter of St. John when the Jew come to Jesus and he said, uh, Behold an Israelite in whom there's no God. He said, Rabbi, when did you know me? He said, For Philip called you when you were under the tree, I saw you. He said, Thou art the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Is that right? 
If that was a Messiah sign to the Jew, Messiah sign to the Gentile or to the um, Samaritan, what would it be to the Gentile? Now, God in these last days has taken the Gentiles for his name. A Samaritan was half Jew and Gentile. All right. But now, what is it to us? It would be the same sign if the Messiah is the same. Do you believe he is? Does the Bible say he is? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that I do a little while in the world, that's this starchy. They won't see me no more. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't sit long enough to listen. They won't see me no more. Yet you shall see me, ye, for I, personal pronoun, will be with you, in you, to the end of the world. Now, he's got to manifest himself to you as he did to them people in that day, or he isn't the same Jesus. Is that right? Now, he doesn't heal. Healing has already been appropriated at Calvary. It's to bring the faith of the person up to that place. Is that right? Healing and salvation was purchased right there. Only thing we can do is point the people there. God set gifts in the church outside of his word to point people there. The, the word is declared to you. Now, sister, in speaking to you, now, if the Lord Jesus, after speaking with you, will let me know, or tell to me, or use my lips to tell you what you're here for, or something in that manner that you know I know nothing about, you know it has to come from some spiritual resource. Is that right? Does the audience believe that? Well, then, me being a gospel minister, and you've known of me four years anyhow, and... As far as I know, I, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. Do you believe that would be the Lord Jesus working through his unworthy servant, speaking to you, trying to get you for what you may have finance trouble, you may domestic trouble. I don't know what you're here for, but he does. Now, place yourself in that place. Does any of you want to be skeptic? you want to come up and take my place? Come on. Tell her. If you're skeptic, you don't believe it's the power of God. Come up and try it. You're welcome. I asked that in India once. I asked that in Africa once. But certainly, I know nothing of the woman. But he does. But if he will reveal himself here on the platform before this people, then it's a vindication that he's raised from the dead and he is the same. Now, I'm hesitating, certainly. I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for the vision. I can know the woman not, and I can't say a thing. If he doesn't speak to me, I, I can't say nothing. But if he once starts anointing, then it's all right. Because I've been preaching and kind of trying to heal myself now, it's talking. But praise the Lord. He's here. If the audience can still hear my voice, the lady seems to move away from me. And she's got a trouble in her side. And that's in her left side. And she also, I see her like a, a smothering or something. It's uh, when she lays down, especially it's in her heart trouble, causing her to have heart condition. That's the truth. I keep seeing somebody else come to you, going away in a vision. It's another person that you want prayer for. You're wanting to ask me for prayer for a person. If someone's got something wrong with their feet, it's got a foot trouble, 
sores on their feet. That's exactly right. That's true. You believe Jesus is here? You believe Jesus is here? Come here, my sister. Heavenly Father, your blessed being here so close. We mortals are privileged of seeing your spirit with infallible proofs here moving among your people. I pray thee, Heavenly Father, to be merciful. And thou who healed this woman once, eaten up with cancer, how minor these things are. Then, Heavenly Father, the word has said, These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. And this I do in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you, my dear sister, and grant to you the blessings of God. Now, out in the audience, I want you to believe. You without prayer cards now. You that doesn't have prayer cards, start believing, praying that God will visit you. Just have faith now. Believe with all your heart. Now, I suppose, lady, that we're strangers to each other. All right. Now, I hear the scene changes. This is a white woman. Now, here we stand for our first time in life. But Jesus Christ, God's Son, knows both of us. Are you really believing? Just have faith now. Something went on in the audience. I didn't get it just right. Now, if you just keep praying, keep believing, surely God is here to make well those who desire to be well. Now, the lady which stands by me, I just... You don't have to look at me or nothing, but I'm just, I'll just speak to you. Being a stranger to you, of course, only God knows you. I don't. But if God will speak here and let me know about you or what you're here for, will you believe with all your heart and will accept Christ as your Provider for whatever you have need of. All right. May he grant it to you. Um, you are bothered with a growth. And a growth is in your breath. And it's in your left breath. That's right. I've, you are a minister's wife, too. You're not from this country. You're from another state, the state of Missouri. I believe the little city is called Sullivan or something like that. You're praying for someone else, too. The person has tumor that you're praying for. Your name is something like Garner or something like that, isn't it? Now, you believe the Lord Jesus? That's right. Now, he knew who Peter was. That's how I know who you are. 
Now, do you accept him as for everything you come for? Yes. Would you come close to him? I might ask you blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, the little woman practically beside herself at this time because this great projecting of the Holy Spirit moving over on her. And she realizes that that man cannot do these things, that that comes from God alone. I lay my hand upon the woman, not remembering at this time what the vision showed, but whatever her desires is, Father, I pray that you grant it to her in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, sister. All right, would you bring her? Next patient. If thou canst believe, said our Lord Jesus, all things are possible. you believe that? How do you do, sir? Is a line coming from this woman, from that woman, to this man? Spirit. I wish I could explain it. I can't. It's not to be explained. That lady has a kind of a heart trouble, smothering. Yes. That's right. This man does too. Mm-mm. That devil's trying to get by with that, you see, but he can't do it. You have a rupture too, don't you, sir? Say, you're a preacher, Pentecostal preacher. You want me to tell you what church you belong to? Assemblies of God. <laughs> Go believe him, my brother. It left both of you. Amen. So may the Lord bless you. Have faith in God. Don't doubt. If thou canst believe. Little lady, sitting right down the line from where the lady was healed just now, your prayer down there for your grandson, I see him standing before you. He's suffering with an asthmatic condition, kind of a coughing in his throat. And he has a hay fever, too, that bothers him. That's true. That's thus saith the law. Take that handkerchief that you raised to God and put on the child. Have faith, don't doubt. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. How do you do, sir? I have never seen you in my life, sir. I'm a total stranger to you. You're aware that something you're walking into is not your brother, aren't you? You know that you're walking into his presence. And not a man. A man's presence would make you feel that way. But it's him. Now God is a healer. You were given a prayer card. Come up here. See, those people didn't come up here. They had no prayer card. Only thing you have had faith. Now, if God will let me know what you're here for, will you accept it? If I could help you and wouldn't do it, I'd be a brute. But I, I am your brother. I'm your Christian brother, a servant of the Lord Jesus, by divine gift. I might be able to help you to have faith to accept the Lord Jesus as to give you what you want. If he will let me know what you want, 
then you will accept what you are going to ask me for? The first thing you're going to ask me to pray for you for a nervous condition. You're very nervous. That is right. But you have a great burden. That's right. You believe she'd get well? You believe that God would restore her again? Put her back in her right mind and make her well? You brought her home, didn't you? From an institution. Your daughter. And she's just like a maniac. You can't do nothing with her. You have to take her back. That's the condition she's in at this hour. But will you believe, my brother? If you believe, if you believe with all your heart, you can go find the child as you believe. Will you do it? Heavenly Father, I pray that your blessings will be upon this request. Grant it, Lord God. I ask this blessing solemnly, Lord, for your glory. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I ask it. Grant it, Lord. Oh, God, grant it for your glory. Amen. God bless you, sir. May you find it even as you have it in you. You put your hand up way over there, lady. Way down in here on the end of the row. You got arthritis. Got a little tie on, yes. I've seen you trying to move from your bed stiff of a morning. God's seen you too put up your hand. Can you believe? May the Lord God bless you, sister. I see the vision move over to the next lady. She's praying too. That rectal trouble would leave you, lady. If you believe the Lord Jesus. Would you? The lady sitting next to you has feet trouble. That's right, lady. Would you believe the Lord Jesus too? All right. Put your hand on the next lady with heart trouble. The elderly lady with the little round hat on. And you believe for her. And then you can all be healed. Do you believe? Let us have a prayer for you. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that in Christ's name that you will heal and make well. Grant it, eternal and blessed God for your glory and grant these blessings upon the entire audience. I pray that you will grant this, Father. And may your eternal blessings rest. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. What if I just told you, sister, that God granted your request while you're sitting there? Would you take my word for it? Oh, isn't he wonderful? God is wonderful. He can heal to the uttermost. Isn't that right? Make well. Heal. Diabetes, anything doesn't make any difference to him, does it? He can make it. And when the doctor operates and makes a place, and it won't heal up like your feet has been all this time, he can make it well. Do you believe it, sister? Yes, Then go and receive your healing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Have faith in God. You believe? All you audience are believing? The Lord Jesus, how many out there is ready to believe at this time? He's lovely, sweet, kind. Just have faith. What about you wheelchairs over there? What do you think about it? Do you believe it? 
Look this way and believe. Anywhere in the building, up in the audience, anywhere. Look, live, believe. Let's look to the wheelchairs for a minute. I couldn't heal you. You couldn't hide yourself all. His spirit is here. I see a lady that's got a black shadow hanging over her. Gray-headed lady sitting in a wheelchair. She has cancer. Very bad. That's in the lungs, too. She's in a terrible condition. And lady, a greater than that, I see another black channel following you. You need Jesus as your Savior. You've never been converted. And you need Christ as your Savior. Will you now accept Him as your Savior? Will you do it? Then I'd get up out of that wheelchair and take it and push it out the door and go home and be made well. Without Jesus. Thy sins be forgiven. Go in the name of the Lord. While you're on your feet, will you believe the Lord Jesus? Raise up your hands to Him just now. I challenge your faith. Oh Lord, Creator of heavens and earth, Author of everlasting life and giver of every gift, I come to Thee, Lord. Oh God, how can people stoop in unbelief just at this time send Your Holy Spirit? Don't back to this audience, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and may He lighten up this building. May He now condemn and drive away every spirit of doubt, all the darkness, and may Satan turn them loose. Lord, I know You're here, and the only thing that's keeping this from being the greatest night they ever seen is that little unbelief hanging over. I challenge that unbelief. I challenge it by the Word of God. I challenge it by the Holy Ghost. I challenge it in Jesus' name. Come out of this building. Leave this people. In Jesus Christ's name, come out of them. And may everyone be perfectly healed and well, rising from their top chairs, walking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.